we're in the middle of a sermon series that I've been teaching called The Divine Design of God's True Church. And last week I was in Nashville. Uh, Branson preached for us Sunday morning. Heard we had a wonderful service last week. But I do want to pick up right where we left off in our study of God's design for the church. Um, when we began this study about a month ago, I started off saying that as we continue to grow, as we look at moving forward, as we look at uh, future plans, we have to understand the way that God designed His church. That if we don't know God's design, then we try to do it by what we think is best. And when we do what we think is best, we always mess it up. This is true of the family. This is true of our relationships. And it's certainly true of the church of the living God. This morning, I suppose if there was a passage that we could start with, it would be 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22. Saul has been disobedient to the command of God. Samuel comes to Saul and in verse 22, the Word of God says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has also rejected you from being king. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for Your Spirit that we have felt here this morning. God, we are ever mindful that You have told us that You are our exceedingly great reward. This morning we have partaken of that reward. God, we ask that You would continue what You have started here this morning. God, I yield myself to You at this very moment and pray, God, that You would give me the wisdom, the unction of heaven, the strength of the Holy Spirit, God, to preach Your Word this morning in clarity, in boldness, and in truth. God, I pray, Lord, that You would break through the hard hearts of Your people this morning. God, I pray that You would provide supernatural revelation of this truth concerning spiritual authority and rebellion in the church. Lord, I pray if there be any here that are lost, that today they would be saved. God, this morning as we touch on spiritual business, as I speak on spiritual things, God, help us to have spiritual ears. God, let us hear in our hearts. Let us understand in our hearts. Lord, have Your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to talk to you about a topic of spiritual authority. Now what I'm going to talk to you about this morning I'm dealing with because we are looking at God's divine design of the church, His body. And it has a direct application to our church as a whole. But the principles that I am going to take us through this morning apply to each and every one of us on an individual basis in our everyday living. So I encourage you this morning, child of God, to listen up and to listen closely. Spiritual authority. The archangel, Lucifer, turned into Satan, the devil, When he overreached God's authority. When he competed with God. And then became an adversary of God. Rebellion against God's authority was the cause of Satan's fall. You will find that rebellion against God's authority, that jealousy and pride are a threefold cord, and they comprise the original sin. Satan's intent was to set his throne above God's throne. 
This is the thing that violated God's authority. And let us be careful of accusing Satan of doing something that each of us don't do as well. And that is put our own selves and our own ways and our own understanding on the throne of our lives rather than God's clear spoken will. When we serve God, we must not violate God's authority. Listen, because doing so is the principle of Satan. Did I say that a couple of times this morning? Violating the authority of God is working according to the principle of Satan. And multitudes within the church still live by the principle of Satan. They live by their own will. They make up their own mind. They live by their own decisions. Their life is not governed by complete obedience to God's authority. The controversy of the universe is centered on who will have the authority. That's the controversy of the universe. For the Christian, the controversy begins with the devil when we finally agree and get it straight that God's authority is the only authority and that I will obey Him no matter the cost. Now, Paul had met God's authority on the road to Damascus. In one moment, he was saved. And in that same moment, we see him submitting to the authority of God. God told Paul, and God was testing Paul at that time, Saul. God was testing him to see if he truly submitted to the authority of God. Because here's what God told Paul to do. He said, now go ahead and go on into Damascus, and you'll find a brother by the name of Ananias. This is the only time Ananias' name is ever even mentioned in the entire Bible. We're talking about Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the one who had been given the authority of Rome to march into cities and to arrest whomever was preaching the name of Christ. This great man, Saul, God said to him, go into the city, you're going to be blind until you get there, and there's going to be somebody you've never heard of. His name is Ananias. And here's all that God told him, do what he says. How could Paul have went and obeyed Ananias, this obscure, unknown little brother, had he not met God's authority? When you see the principle, you begin to understand it's not about men and women. It's not about positions. It's not about status. It is about the authority of God. Paul had encountered authority on the road to Damascus. This shows us that whoever has met authority deals purely with authority and not with man. Let us not see the man, but only let us see the authority vested by God in him. Now, God's purpose is to manifest his authority over all things to this world through the church. Talking to you about God's divine design of the church. We serve a God who is in control of all things. And we just sang about that God who is still on His throne in the good times and bad. This God who has authority over the entire creation and all of the universe chooses to let His authority be shown to the world through the church. We have to understand this. Because the problem becomes if we don't understand this and the world looks on at us and we're not under any type of authority. Sure, we claim the name of Christ, but every man to himself, everybody does what he wants. Everybody decides what he wants to decide. Every church works the way it wants to work. And and, and the world looks on us and it sees that we're not even under the authority of God. That we see His Word and His commandments more as some type of suggestion manual to a happy life. 
but not absolute commandments of God. And yet, we didn't try to preach to them, come into the authority of Christ. It is through the church that God has chosen to manifest His authority to the world. It's a very important thing we understand this. Obedience to God's will is the greatest demand of the Bible. The greatest demand of the Bible is not for us to bear the cross. It's not for us to serve God. It's not for us to make offerings. And it's not for us to deny ourselves. The greatest command of the Bible is to trust God and obey Him. This is what we read in our text. To obey is better than sacrifice. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Child of God, right now I'm talking to you about spiritual things. Listen carefully to the will of God. Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from Me. What was the cup? It was the cross. Jesus Himself prayed, if it's possible, let the cross be removed. Three times He prayed that. That's the Word of God. But one thing He would never, ever pray is God change your will. We see in Jesus' prayer the supreme authority is the will of God. That's all He was concerned about. If the will meant the cup, then He would drink the cup. But if the will could mean something else, then He would do something else. It wasn't about the cross. It was about the will of God. Now, the will of God was the cross. I'm not diminishing the significance of the cross. The cross is the foundation of our salvation. The Apostle Paul said, God forbid I boast in anything except the cross. But the point is that even the will of God is superior to the cross. It is all about the authority of God. That what He says is the only thing that matters. We have no say-so. None whatsoever. It is not my decision whether or not I take up the cross. Not if I'm truly being the child of God that God's called me to be. It is about submission to the will of God. It is the reality that He has full authority in my life. Nothing trumps God's authority in my life. If God says bear the cross, you must bear the cross. If God tells Paul, you shall not go to Asia, he shall not go to Asia. If God says go to this place and say such and such, you go to that place and say such and such. It is about total obedience to the will of God. This is the greatest demand upon man in the Bible. Now, for authority to be expressed, there must be subjection to that authority. Listen to this comment I'm going to make. This is only possible when one lives in the Spirit. This is only possible when a person lives in the Spirit. If you remember, in week number one, we talked about the fact that the body is a living entity. That it has its life through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what separates the true church. The one true church all across the globe. The one true church. The thing that separates it from every other entity in the history of the world. And every entity that will ever be is that it is a living, breathing entity that finds its life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not going to re-preach message one over again. But I will say, everything we do, remember, those of you who are here, everything we do is through the Spirit. We can do nothing without God. That all true work is done through the Spirit. And that when it is through the Spirit, it produces life. Now, that said, the type of obedience that I'm talking to you about, the type of submission to the authority of God can truly only happen when the power of the Holy Spirit is living in us and working out of us. Saul might offer sheep and oxen, yet God never accepted them as sacrifices to Himself. I want you to think about this. God did not accept Saul's sacrifice. Now, this is Saul, King Saul that I'm talking about now. This is the first named king, anointed king, by the way, by God. 
anointed king over Israel. And God did not accept his sacrifice. Why? He that has ears to hear, let him hear this morning. Saul's sacrifice was according to the principle of Satan. I know better than God. God, I know you've told me to give this, but I'm going to give it a little different because I know better than you. Your authority really means nothing to me. I'll do some of what you think should happen, and you should be pleased with that. It is rebellion against the authority of God. And it is the principle of Satan. Which is why Samuel, through God, God, excuse me, through Samuel, said this. Rebellion, it's as the sin of witchcraft. We have to see this morning, and God help us to get it in the depths of our souls, brothers and sisters, it is all about the authority of God. Is He really the authority in your life? Before we can ever actually work for God, we must be overturned by His authority. Just being in a position doesn't actually mean God's anointed it. Saul was king and God rejected Saul. God's not impressed by titles. We can trick one another. We can confuse one another. We can even deceive our own selves, but we cannot deceive God. In order to truly be used by God, we must come underneath the full authority of God. Our entire relationship with God is regulated by whether or not we have met authority. We must trust and obey. We must have our eyes open to God's authority that we might be able to judge what is lawless in others, but most importantly, in ourselves. Only the one who is truly under authority can be truly an authority to anyone else. You see, the fall of man is due to disobedience. The fall of man was due to disobedience. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat. You see, they rebelled against God's authority. I'm telling you this morning, it's not about understanding. It's not about fully getting everything that God's doing and why God's doing it. His ways are higher than our ways. It's not about reasoning. It is about knowing God has said and therefore I will obey. Trust and obey. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But I want to ask a real question this morning without a show of hands. Be honest with yourself this morning. Be honest with your own heart. Do you walk by your own understanding? Or do you walk in complete obedience to the known will of God? Because if you walk according to your own understanding, and you do not walk according to the known will of God, you, my friend, are walking according to the principle of Satan. It is the principle of death. It is rebellion against the living and most high God. It is, as the Bible says, as the sin of witchcraft. This issue of spiritual authority is the most important thing. It is the overriding main reason that there is chaos in the church. Chaos in the life of the believer. Uh, People living in defeat within the church because they refuse to submit to the authority of God. To rebel against God's representative authority, that being God's men and and, and people that He has placed in positions of authority, is the same thing to rebel against God. Eve was put not only under God's authority, but she was also put under her husband's authority. She had a double authority to obey. Our position today is no different from this. In a moment, I'm going to deal with authority to people within the church, authority to government officials, authority within the home. All of us have double authority. Some of us more than double. Eve's action, however, was not governed by obedience. It was initiated by her own will. Eve was not subject to God's order, nor did she obey God's authority. Listen to me. Instead, she made up her own mind. That's what she did. She made up her own mind on the matter. 
Man's actions should not be governed by the knowledge of good or evil. It should be motivated by a sense of obedience to God. The Bible says the way of every man is right in his own eyes. We'll justify why we do what we do. Why we had to tell a lie. Why we had to be deceitful. Why we had to do this sin or that sin. Why we had to go places that we know we shouldn't go. Watch things we know we shouldn't watch. Behave in ways we shouldn't behave. Well, everybody understands. They've got their own reasons for what they do, what they do. The problem is, is that we think we know the difference between good and evil. Everybody does. Adam and Eve thought so. And ever since then, this rebellion against the authority of God and the idea that, well, I can figure out myself what's good and evil has been the complete fall of humanity. It is the chaos that we see in this world. Disobedience to God. We should be motivated by a sense of obedience. Now, the Bible teaches there is no authority except from God. And I'm going to get there later. It's Romans chapter 13. That all authorities have been instituted by Him. That includes government authorities. That includes religious authorities. That includes authorities within the church. That includes authorities within the family. All of them have been instituted by God. That's what the Bible says. And by tracing authorities back to their source, we invariably end up with God. In other words, when we rebel against authority, we're actually rebelling against God Himself. All Christians must therefore learn to obey authority. A Christian worker ought to know who is above him. Some do not know who the authorities are above them, and therefore they do not obey. The truth is that multitudes of Christians today do not have the faintest idea concerning authority and subjecting themselves to it. It's every man to himself. I'll find somebody that agrees with what I agree, and then I'll submit to that person. Rather than asking God, God, where is it you want me to be? What are the authorities in my life that I need to submit to? Everyone thinks he's able to distinguish good from evil and to judge what is right from wrong. He seems to know better than God. This is the folly of the fall. This is what happened in the Garden of Eden. And we need to be delivered from this deception. Many young students look upon God's command to obey their teachers as harsh treatment. Many wives consider the divine command of being subject to their difficult husbands as being cruel. Countless Christians are living today in a state of rebellion. And they have not so much as learned the very first lesson in obedience. The divisions and the disruptions currently within the church stem from rebellion. Now, with that by way of introduction, I want us to look at some Bible this morning and some instances of rebellion. Let's look at Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 27. Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 27. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. That means naked. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew that his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. We'll leave that there. We see here the rebellion of Ham. A father is meant to be the authority in a home. Now I want you to see something about spiritual authority. Spiritual authority doesn't change when the authority messes up. This is a matter of spiritual things. This is not a matter of natural things. 
Noah should not have got drunk, should not have fallen asleep naked in his tent. Wrong on Noah. But the fact that Noah sinned and the fact that Noah did wrong does not somehow relinquish his son's responsibility to show authority to his father. But that's what his son did. His son walked in and thought, whoa, dad's drunk, he's naked, let me go tell the other boys. And he he ran right out and he told the other boys to shame his father. The other boys did the right thing. They took a, a, a sheet and they walked in backwards to not even be exposed to their father's nakedness and covered him up. And Ham was cursed for what he did. It shows us two things, and we're going to see this through all of our lessons. It is a dangerous thing to mess with spiritual authority. And number two, the authority comes from God investing it in a person, not the person's right or wrong choices. You better be careful who you cut up with your tongue because you don't like their choices. Children, you better be careful what you say about your parents because you don't like the way they do things. The authority that God has invested in them isn't because you agree or disagree with what they do. The authority that God has invested in them is part of His divine design for the family. And so we should show submission and subjection to the authority that God has placed in our lives. The flesh, last thing I'll say, and then we'll move to Numbers chapter 12. When Ham went out and made fun of his father and and thought maybe his brothers would think it was funny, we see that the flesh actually enjoys watching our authorities fail. The flesh looks for a defect in the authority. That way, we think we can run out from underneath of the authority and be free from any constraint. It is the principle of Satan. Okay, let's look at Numbers chapter 12. This will probably be the longest passage I read. It's about 16 verses. Numbers chapter 12. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Know this. The Lord hears when you speak against his authorities. You might be able to to, to speak about them in the privacy of your own home. You might be able to cut down God's authorities at the dinner table, but God hears when people speak against His authorities. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, And they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. That would be a great passage for many of you to get in the depths of your heart and to memorize. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. 
Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days. And the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. Okay. Let's look at this story. First of all, to speak against God's representative authority incurs divine wrath. They were speaking against Moses, but God saw them as speaking against God. And it brought divine wrath. Understand the accusation. Moses had married an Ethiopian woman, and technically this was not a good idea. It was wrong. He should have stayed within the uh, people of, of the Hebrews. And so on a purely family basis, Miriam actually had reason to say what she said. Let me reword that. Miriam had reason to disagree with Moses's decision to marry an Ethiopian. Miriam had reason to go to Moses and talk to him about, hey, what are you doing marrying an Ethiopian? The problem was not that she was upset with his choice. The problem was that she saw a choice he made that she disagreed with, that she said, hey, this is not the way it should work within the family, and she used that as an excuse to question God's authority on his life. Do you see? Authority has nothing to do with the man making all the right choices. Authority has nothing to do with your husband making every decision you think he should make. Authority has nothing to do with you thinking as a pastor that I'm doctrinally correct on everything I say. Authority has nothing to do with whether or not you believe the President of the United States is taking our country in the right or wrong direction. Authority comes from God, period. And when we disobey God... And when we disobey the authorities that God has placed in our lives, we are directly disobeying Him. God was furious. He said, who are you to speak against my servant? And even though her complaint was legitimate, Moses shouldn't be marrying a woman from the Ethiopians, her conclusion that because he did, therefore we don't believe he has the authority of God like he wants us to believe, her conclusion was evil. This is a very important lesson for us to understand in the church. When we rebel against God's delegated authorities, we rebel against God Himself. And the church is meant to be governed by spiritual authority. The trouble was that neither Aaron nor Miriam recognized God's authority. They were standing on natural ground, and therefore they conceived the natural rebellious heart. This is the same problem Jesus had with His brothers. Jesus' brothers just couldn't see Him as the Messiah. Familiarity of the wrong kind can cause us to see people in the wrong light. Jesus' brothers, they thought there's just no way that He's really... The Son of God. I mean, they had even known the testimony that He was born of a virgin. They, they had known this testimony. They had seen Him work miracles. But nonetheless, they came and they spoke against Him. They tried to pull Him away from the crowds. They told the people around, look, our brother's just a little bit crazy. He's kind of a madman. Let's just get him out of here. Because they couldn't see Him in the true spiritual authority that was invested in Him because they were too close to Him as family members. Let us be very close very careful and cautious not to be guilty of the same things. Just because somebody's your friend doesn't mean they're not your spiritual authority. Amen. Just because you might know somebody well or have known them for years doesn't mean if God has placed them in a position of spiritual authority that you pay them less respect than everyone else does. I've seen people speak against spiritual authorities with this type of attitude. Well, I know him. What's that have to do with anything? Authority comes from God. Well, I, I, I've just known him for years. What's that have to do with anything? Be careful what you say. Miriam had leprosy cast upon her. 
And it wasn't until Moses asked God to reverse it that her life was spared. It is a dangerous thing to rebel against spiritual authority. Now, I know this is a stark message. But it is for a purpose. I'm talking to Crossway Church. That's who I'm talking to. I've been talking to Crossway Church for the last month now, about a month and a half. If we're going to do things God's way, we have to understand God's established pattern for the church. We have to understand in our lives the need to live under the complete authority of God. That we don't get to make our, 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 our own. It's not about my will, my decisions, my thoughts. It is about complete submission to the will of God, whether you understand it or not. Now, notice that Moses did not answer back. Neither did Jesus, by the way. Moses knew that if he had been set up by God to be the authority, that he did not need to defend himself. Whoever reviled him touched death. A lion does not need protection since full authority lies with it. The authority which Moses represented was God's own authority. And no one can take away God-given authority. Remember that rebellious words ascend to heaven and are heard by God. God Himself is the authority. Beware lest we offend. Let us never despise God's chosen vessel. One of the things that bothers me one of the things that, that truly bothers me within the church is a lot of the um, questioning God's call and authority on certain men or different teachers because they have different views than us. There's nothing wrong with iron sharpening iron. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, that doctrine is wrong. I disagree with that doctrine. I disagree with Pastor so-and-so. Uh, on this particular area and topic, but you better continue to show that man respect. Some of the tone that comes from commentators, some of the tone that comes from people on the radio talking about this, you know, pastor of a mega church or this pastor of a mega church, it crosses the line of doctrinal differences, and then we're actually questioning and accusing a man of not being God's man. Better be very, very careful of that. Very careful of that. All of God's men, all of God's leaders have made mistakes, by the way. All of them. And yet God Himself, in His divine wisdom, knowing that they would err in such ways, chose to call them into the position anyways. We better be careful and understand that when we speak against God's authorities, we're speaking against God Himself, and we're actually saying, God, we know better than you. Many consider themselves obedient to God's will, while actually knowing nothing of being subject to God's delegated authority. Somehow they think they, you know, it's just me and God. No, it's not. If you obey the authorities God's placed in your life, you are rebelling against God. Stop the baloney that it's just you and God. God's way is the way of established authority. And there are authorities everywhere. Authorities at your workplace. Authorities in the family, authorities in the church, authorities within the government. We must learn to identify them and submit to them. He who is truly obedient will find that God's authority is in every circumstance, in the home and in other institutions. Look at Numbers chapter 16 and verse 3. Let's just look at 1 through 3. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and on the sons of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. Yes, even men of renown rise up against the authority of God. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves. 
For all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Can I say that the spirit of rebellion is very contagious? In their attack, notice that they did not mention Moses' relationship with God, nor the commandment of God. The people thought that they were just opposing Moses and Aaron. However, they were opposing God. And as a result of their opposing God, by opposing Moses and Aaron, if you read further in Numbers chapter 16, God actually opened up the earth and swallowed them alive and closed the earth back up over them. God, help us this morning to see the serious business of spiritual authority. To see how dangerous it is when we have loose lips to speak negative things and question God's call on a person's life. It is a dangerous business. And it happens so often in the church. If it's not directly, it's indirectly. It's through insinuations. It's through cowardly insinuations of, of, of the possibility. Let us be very careful what we say with our tongue. You see, these people thought they were opposing Moses and Aaron. They didn't have the slightest intention of being rebellious to God. But listen to the principle. God and God's delegated authority is inseparable. It is not possible to maintain one attitude towards God and to have a different attitude towards Moses and Aaron. I'll say it again. It is not possible to have one attitude towards God and have a different attitude towards Moses and Aaron. Your attitude towards Moses, your attitude towards Aaron, is your attitude towards God. And this is why God deals with it so seriously. This is why the earth opened up and swallowed these men and their families alive. This is the all-crucial point so far. Rebellion is a hellish principle. Only he who obeys the authority of God can enter Canaan by faith. Here's what I want to say this morning. Listen, Christian. Authority is not a matter of outward instruction. It is a matter of inward revelation. There are two instances of rebellion in Numbers chapter 16. I've got to move for sake of time. I want to close today. But in the first verses that I read to you, the leaders rebelled. From verses 41 to 50, the whole congregation rebelled. The spirit of rebellion is very contagious. Humans see only men. People who see with human eyes only see men. Those who learn to see with spiritual eyes will see the authority comes from God. Those who only see men are those who do not fear. How dangerous it is to lack the knowledge, though, of authority. A plague began, and by the time it was done, 14,700 people died by the plague. I want you to think about how important. Spiritual authority is to God. 14,700 people died by the plague. God could forbear their murmuring in the wilderness ten times. Their murmurings, even against God, their murmurings about, oh, we're going to die. Oh, we're so hungry. Whiny, whiny, whiny. It would be better to go back and be in Egypt. God forbear that ten times He did. But the moment they came against authority, 
14,700 of them died. I cannot stress enough how important this matter of spiritual authority is within the church. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we have lost sight of it. It is every man for himself. It is whatever you think is best. You will answer to God for it if you continue to live by that way. You must learn to be under the authorities that God has placed in your life. David had a knowledge of authority, which is why he refused to kill Saul. Even though Saul had been rejected by God, even though Saul was trying to seek David's life, David said, I won't lay a hand on the man because I will not touch God's anointed. David understood concerning authority, he was still yet underneath the authority of Saul. God has His delegated authorities in the world. Romans chapter 13, Paul tells us to obey the authorities that are in the world. God has His delegated authority in the family. In Ephesians chapter 5, we looked at the very first uh, start of this uh, entire series, we looked at the fact that the, the home is meant to be a picture of the church. That the husband is the delegated authority of Christ and the wife is representative of the church. You see, it's difficult for a wife to be subject to her husband if she does not see the delegated authority invested in him by God. The wife says to me, well, he's this, he's that, he's this. How can I trust him? How can... God doesn't say to trust Him if He is this or if He isn't that. You have to understand the authority of God. And if you don't see the spiritual invested authority of God in the home, you will not submit to your husband the way you ought to. You'll continue to chatter, nag, say how you think things would be better, You'll drag your feet in what you call supposed submission. Okay. Just because you're the husband. That's not submission. I've already told you. This is not a matter. Uh, spiritual authority and submission is not a matter of outward uh, actions. It's a matter of inward revelation. You can drag your feet. Lower your voice. Act sad. Withhold something. To try to get your point, you're rebelling against God. Now, the same is true in the church. The same is true in our, our business relationships. In the church, let's look at uh, one last passage. I want you to read it for yourself. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12-13. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in the love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. You realize there are those who labor among you and, look at this word, are over you. It's a word that deals with authority. For scripture reference, you also have 1 Timothy 5.17, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 15 through 16. The point is this, that God sets in the church authorities such as the elders who rule well and those who labor in preaching and teaching. These are the ones whom everyone should obey. The younger ones in age must also learn to be subject to the older ones. Those in positions of authority should be men of humility. It is a most shameful thing for anyone to consciously display his position and demand authority, subjection to his authority. It is, however, even more shameful to rebel against that authority. The point is that God's authority is everywhere. I want to encourage you to be fearlessly subject to God's delegated authorities. God has boldly established His authority through these people who lead us. We should trust God with these people. If anything should be a mess, it is their fault, not ours. 
It is the fault of those who are in the position of authority if the mistake is made. Luke chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said to his disciples, He that hears you, hears me. And he that rejects you, rejects me. Now, I have to hit this head on. It's the last question I'm going to deal with, and we're done. But I have to hit this head on. The question becomes, what happens if the authority is wrong? What if my husband is wrong? What if the pastor is wrong? The answer is, first of all, if God dares to entrust His authority to them, then we can dare to obey. Whether the authority is right or wrong does not concern us, since He has to be responsible to directly to God. The obedient only need to obey. Now, with that said, there is a difference between submission and absolute obedience. Submission is an attitude. It is a matter of the heart. Obedience is a matter of conduct. It's what you do. For example, if a parent should refuse their children to be Christians, if a parent tells their children they cannot follow God, the children must maintain an attitude of submission while not yet obeying the command to directly Violate God's law. This is similar to the ways the apostles responded to the Jewish council. When they were forbid by the council to preach the gospel, they kept a submissive spirit through the trial. Even so, they continued on with the Lord's command. They were not disobedient with quarrels and shouting. They only quietly and softly dissented. But notice, there was no slanderous words. There was no mocking. There was no hateful speech. And so when we are, um, when someone in a place of authority over us commands us to do something that is sin, and that's the kicker, sin, we cannot obey in sin. Because God is the only one that we have Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Unmeasured, total, complete obedience to. However, if someone commands us to sin, maybe a, a boss, for example, commands you to lie on record so that the company looks better than it is. You can't do that. But that doesn't mean that you cuss out your boss and that you're rude and you show him no respect. You do what these guys did. You quietly dissent. And just like them, they went to jail. Notice they said, we're still going to preach Jesus. But if you tell us we have to go to jail, we're still under your authority in that realm. We'll go. We'll just trust God with it, whatever happens. And so the heart stays in an attitude of submission. But the obedience has to be put to the side because they are asking you to sin against God, whom we have complete and total obedience due to. Obedience is related to conduct. Submission is related to the heart. God alone receives unqualified obedience without measure. Should delegated authority issue an order merely contradicting God's command, He will be given submission, but not obedience. Four examples in the Bible as our worship team comes. You remember the midwives? The midwives... And Moses' mother, they were told to kill all the boys two years and under. They disobeyed the degree of Pharaoh by preserving Moses' life. Yet they were considered to be women of faith. You remember the story of the the three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They disobeyed the king's order to bow down and worship an idol. Nevertheless, they submitted to the king's order to be thrown into the fire. You remember the royal decree that went out and it was told of Daniel, you cannot pray. Nevertheless, Daniel prayed, but he submitted to the king's judgment of being thrown into the lion's den. And then as I already mentioned, Peter preached the gospel, though it was against the command of the ruling council. 
Yet he allowed himself to be taken to prison. This is the example of how even when the authorities in our lives that God has placed us under make poor decisions or ask us to do something that we shouldn't do, it does not somehow take us out from underneath of being submissive and showing them respect for their position. Authority is a very, very important matter in the church. When the authority goes out, everything else is chaos. This is the reason that the church is in such chaos and confusion. Because people are too stinking prideful. I'm not going to be under anyone's authority. I don't care what that preacher says. You better be careful. I'm not going to show respect to my husband. That preacher doesn't know how my husband is. You better be careful what you say. This matter of spiritual authority is God's divine design for the true church. It's not men that we're rebelling against. It's God Himself and God's divine design. And if you want to be on the way of God, if you want to be part of the true church that is moving in the direction God has called it to move, that is doing the things God has called it to do, that is living the spiritual life God's called to live, you must come underneath spiritual authority of God. Father, I pray that You move all across this room. I've gone longer than I intended, but Lord, I believe I've said everything You'd have me to say. God, there are going to be men and women here this morning that if they're honest with their hearts, they're not under Your authority at all. Yes, they believe in You, but they've never truly surrendered to Your will and repented of all sin without question, without hesitation to follow You. God, I pray You deal with their hearts this morning and God, that they would come to You. That they would fall at Your feet and acknowledge their need for You and surrender to Your will. And then, God, I pray especially, God, for those that are Christians this morning. Oh, God, help us to see how little the Christian church has a grasp on this principle of authority. Of total, complete authority that You should have in our lives and the authorities that You place us under. Maybe some just need to repent this morning. Maybe some just need to get some things right in their heart. God, whatever the need is, I pray that you move all across the